Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Just got back. We just returned from Poland, where we walked with the Jewish community. 10,000 people walked, and it's called the March of the Living, where we walked from the death camp of Auschwitz to the death camp of Birkenau to remember on Holocaust Remembrance Day six million Jews that were killed. I haven't seen the pictures that we're going to play for you or the videos that that we're going to show, so I'm just going to narrate it as we go along. But I told my life group in the back that I meet with on Sunday morning, we pray together. I said, I never wanted to go there. Uh, You know, we've seen, we've been to Yad Vashem, we've been to the Holocaust museums, and I I don't want to go where these things happen. And to be honest with you, it's not a pleasant trip. But the, the, the appreciation that Jewish people that really don't have much to do with Christians coming up to us and saying, thank you for standing with Israel was overwhelming. And I'm going to have Pastor Scott. Where is Scott? Is Scott around? Scotty, come on out here with you. Grab my mic. And Scotty was with me. Katie was with me. Katie, you want to say anything about it? No, Katie never does. And, um, but uh, I had one man come up to me and say, uh, Pastor, I saw you at the dinner last night and uh, I wanted to introduce myself and just, but you were surrounded with people. Just, I wanted to tell you how much we appreciate you and your ministry standing with the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. This, I didn't know who this man was and, I, and he introduced me. He's the owner of the Minnesota Vikings. And from religious leaders to business people, um, we felt something that we've never felt before in a deeper way. Scotty, just share a little bit what you're sharing in the back. Yeah, God is good. Amen. And uh, the experience is like none other. And we went there representing you in the ministry, but we never really understood just how significant this trip could be. Uh, We all realize on Holocaust Remembrance Day, this is a very sacred day uh, uh, for the Jewish people. In fact, I think it was Kenny that reminded us that uh, in Israel on Holocaust Remembrance Day, the whole nation stops. Uh, The sirens go off and they all stop. Yeah, traffic stops and everybody just uh, offers up prayers uh, for the nation, for the victims, for the families. And I, I actually said to Kenny, I said, we should do that on Veterans Day in America. Yeah, amen. Where That's the whole nation idea. stops and shows our love and appreciation. And our love and appreciation for Israel, I mean, people know Uh, what our church stands for, many things, but standing with Israel is a big one. But uh, this march was so sacred to the Jewish people, and it is on hallowed ground. what we're about to see, it doesn't look like hallow ground because of the atrocities, and it's just devastating. There were times when I personally had to leave some of the yeah. buildings. I was so overcome with whatever I was feeling, anger, and just all these emotions. How could people be so inhumane that they would do uh, these types of things? And, and we had a, a magnificent guide. Yeah. Uh, who a walking encyclopedia of Jewish history, and it was almost Katie like TMI. I'm over yeah. water out yeah. of a fire hose, yeah. but it was so important. And uh, just so that you would know, uh, one of the key missions of New Beginnings is to tear down the wall between Christians and Jews. That's right. And what happened there? 
we saw actually the walls come tumbling down. And one of the reasons why, and I don't, you know, they've been doing this for what, 35 years. Uh, I don't know how many Christian ministries have participated in this through the years, but on this particular march, which was the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and uh, uh, Holocaust Remember, we were the only Christian ministry represented out of 10,000 people. And we didn't go there because, you know, we just want to support the Jewish people and the opportunity arose from Sam and Shmulek. But when we got there, uh, we were so reminded we are accomplishing end time Bible prophecy together. Tearing down the wall between Christians. And you may not know, and I don't want to get preachy, but, but one of the last prophecies in the Old Testament in Malachi talks about the hearts of the fathers returning yes. to the children yes. and the hearts of the... That's talking about Christians and Jews. Yeah, that's right. And we saw that right up close people, prominent people. I mean, this is the who's who in, uh, in the Jewish world. And how many Jews are there in the world? Like 15, 20 million? Yeah, 15, I think. Yeah, 14, 14. million. There's a grapevine, yeah. as Rabbi Lappin yeah. told us. Yeah. And I know that word has traveled that Pastor Larry has come and stood side by side with the prominent rabbis, the prominent Jewish business people uh, in America, around the prominent politicians, uh, uh, including, we'll see, uh, Ambassador Friedman. Uh, and it, it was just like, we are really doing our part to tear down the walls, to build the bridges, and prepare the world for the yeah. coming of the Messiah. Amen. So thank you for yeah. your prayers. We especially needed them because it rained every day we were there, except when we marched. Yeah. So your prayers over the weather were answered, right. and we can't thank you enough for that. Uh, well done, Scott. God well bless done. you guys. Well done. I'm not sure what... Um, pictures and videos we're going to show you. I haven't seen them yet, uh, but we're not going to show you anything gross. We're not going to show you anything, and I'm not going to tell any stories of what we, what we heard, but you're sitting there or you're standing there and you're listening to this and you say, how could you can, you can think maybe you've got five or six psychopaths in the world that would do this to human beings, but you're talking about whole countries that partnered in this, not just Nazi Germany, whole countries that partnered in this. And I'm not gonna get into the details, but beyond inhuman, not just killing people, beyond inhuman. But as we watch this, I want you to realize what somebody said, and I don't know, maybe we'll see it in this. Anti-Semitism is much, much higher today than it was during the time of Nazi Germany. Think about that. And what you've got to understand is, and I'm going to show you some things at the very end, if they can do that to some people, that doesn't follow a corrupt world leader, they can do that to any people. And that's why the saying is not only for Jewish people, but for all people, never again, never again. All right, let's watch. I don't know what we have. Let's watch and I'll kind of narrate as we go along. And we will now take another look at the March of Living in progress. We're here now with Pastor Larry Huck, the founder and senior pastor of New Beginnings Church in this Dallas, Texas, uh, and also the International Larry Huck Ministries. In uh, your television program, New Beginnings, is watched and followed by hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Uh, you do so much to support Israel. Can you tell me about some of the activities that you and your community do uh, to support and strengthen the state of Israel? Well, um, like just last year, we 
were able to raise and give to Israel over around two and a half million dollars for Aliyah. That's our main thing we support and to help feed Holocaust survivors. We uh, work with Mogam David Adom for ambulances. And the purpose of that is that we, we teach people, number one, to love Israel, to love the Jewish people. And we have a saying where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so as we get people to support Israel and stand with Israel, we see their heart uh, growing towards the love of the nation of Israel and its right to exist. Uh, despite your positive messages, uh violent and uh, soft anti-Semitism is rising yeah. in the United States. You know, why do you think that's happening? Well, I, without getting too spiritual, I believe the attack that's always been against the Jewish people is an attack against God. That the Jewish people are the chosen race. They're the ones that gave the world the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I read in a speech that Hitler made years ago. I was researching why this, why Auschwitz, why this hate. And Hitler said something in a speech to his leaders. He said, as long as there's one Jew left on the earth, there'll be the presence of God. And so I know I'm making it probably way, way too simple, but I believe the hatred towards the Jewish people is in hatred towards the kingdom of God. And uh, when, we, when we are able to address Christians and say Jews and Christians alike, we're serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, I, I know the statistics that say the number that, that anti-Semitism is growing, but I can tell you we have a couple million people that follow us and their love for Israel and their love for the Jewish people and their love for the nation of Israel is growing and it's it's like a snowball it's 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 like an avalanche of 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 Christians eyes being open for the love of not only the land of Israel but for the Jewish people around the world and how important is it for people to come and get Holocaust education, even to see the sites of the Holocaust firsthand, like here at Auschwitz, uh, in, in order to better understand um, the growing threats of anti-Semitism that we now face? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, this is my first trip. I've been standing with Israel for around 30 years. And uh, last year, I had the great privilege of spending two hours with Rabbi Lau, uh, Israel Lau in, in Israel. And he said, come, come with me, walk with me. And... Uh, being here, you know, you know, six million is a number that we can't get our head around. But when you look at what happened to people here, it's, it's not just six million people were murdered. It's six million somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's child. And uh, I didn't realize that I would feel what I'm feeling here in, in to realize that this was beyond inhuman. And once again, I think it's a spiritual thing. It's uh, for people to treat anybody this way is not, not human. And when you come here, and I, boy, I, I've been to Yad Vashem uh, probably, uh, you know, this, I'll, I'll be in Israel in two weeks and this will be my 40th trip. And so I've been to Yad Vashem 40, 50 times, uh, museum, Holocaust museums around the world. They don't do what being here does. It's because this is where those moms and those dads and those babies and those sons and those daughters breathe their last breath. And it's, it, I'm bringing next year for the March of Living, I'm bringing as many young people as I can because we have to pass this about. I know it's, a, it's almost becoming just words, but never again. And when you come here and you feel what you feel, you, you're gonna say in your heart, not on my watch, never again. And I know that's kind of a cliche, but being here is a life changer. Pastor Gary Huck, thank you so much for being with us. At the, at the end of that interview, he said, when are you going to be back in Israel? And I said, we're going to be back in two or three weeks. And he said, can we interview again, you again? What you're saying needs to be on every media source throughout the world. And so we're going to do... An, 
So here, here's uh, obviously Scott and Schmulik and Katie and myself. That's the front of Auschwitz. And as you see, it's the very famous gate that they told the Jewish people as they were bringing them in that work will make you free, which, is, which was totally a lie. Now, as we're looking at this picture, I'll bring something out. Our guide, who they brought all the way in, non-religious Jew and Israeli, they brought all the way in to be our guide because, as Scotty said, he's a walking encyclopedia. He said, at first, when you get to Auschwitz, it will shock you a little bit that it's not so shocking. Now, when we get the Birkenau, you're going to see what you see in the movies, the barracks, the barbed wire and everything. But he said, and I want you to hear this. He said, when you get to, when we get to Auschwitz, it's going to look very neat and orderly. There, it's not the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wooden, wooden barracks. They're barracks made of, of brick. And he said the reason why, and he said the, 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 there'll be green grass everywhere and there'll be uh, green leaves on all the trees, on all the streets and everything. He said, number one, when the Jews got there, there was no green grass, there were no green leaves because anything green was eaten because they were starving them. But he said, and here's what I want, to, want you to hear. He said, Auschwitz, which when you think of the Holocaust, everybody thinks of Auschwitz. Auschwitz was not built for the Jews originally. Auschwitz was built for anybody who disagreed with Hitler's ideology. Auschwitz was those who didn't like Hitler coming in and telling the children to hate your parents if they speak against the government. Auschwitz was for those who didn't want their kids marching in the streets in protest. Auschwitz originally was built for those, anybody who disagreed with the leadership. But then as it grew, they, there were in, at the time of Hitler, 40,000 concentration camps. We know of Auschwitz, we know of Birkenau, we know of Treblinka, we know of the big ones. But think about this, 40,000 concentration camps. Most of them were not filled with Jews, but were filled with those who decided to say something against Hitler's barbarianism. And if it can happen then, amen? All right, so Auschwitz. All right, largest Nazi concentration camp since 1942, also mass extermination center for the Jews. And it just gives the statistics that in Auschwitz, uh, 1,100,000 Jews, 140,000 to 150,000 Poles, these were people who dared to question the government. By the way, and I don't know if we'll have this in there, there's a German word, and I saw this uh, on the History Channel right before we went. I was watching this, and, they, and in fact, I watched another one last night, and one of the things that Hitler did as he went into these, in, first he started in Germany, went into these other countries, is he started any, any newspaper, any, any news station that said anything against them, he would arrest those and he would dictate what the media said and it's a german word that's translated into english called fake news <laughs> and so here's the people watching the news or reading the newspaper and it's not what's really going on it's being those who are in agreement with nazi germany Okay, next one. This is a gentleman that we talked to that was a uh, Holocaust survivor. In fact, we, um, we changed uh, information. I think I may bring him in. I, I won't tell you his story because it's too long, but it's unbelievably brutal. 
Unbelievable. Most of the whole, I think there was 42 or 43 Holocaust survivors that were there. They obviously are old and most of them couldn't make the march that we started in Auschwitz and then they met us in Birkenau. But uh, most of them, like the, the, the one Holocaust survivor, 100, 130 of their relatives were, were killed. So you can imagine that they just come up and they go, okay, you, 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 and they march them off into the gas chamber. And are your, your, I'll tell you one thing. And the only reason I tell you this is I heard that there. And years ago, Mr. Jacobs, who ran the Dallas Holocaust Museum, uh, we became very good friends. When he passed away, they gave me his library. And, uh, he, he said, you know, I said, I know you don't talk about things. He said, but I said, what's something that stuck with you? And Rabbi Lau told me the same thing. I heard it here. The Nazis would starve their German shepherds, their dogs. They would starve them. And they would take babies from mothers and feed, throw them into the pen to feed the German shepherds. Most women who were pregnant... Jewish women who were pregnant, as soon as they got off the train, they saw that they were pregnant. They went to the gas chamber or they were shot with a bullet. Some they left alive. So the moment that baby would be born, they could do these ungodly experiments with or feed the dogs. And you think about how could anybody do that? Here in America, two states have passed a law of abortion that how could anybody abort a baby at three months? Can I hear four months? See, and the thing that we heard over and over again is this didn't happen overnight. It was a gradual acceptance. It's the old frog in the pan where you put the frog in a cold pot and you just keep turning the heat up. How could somebody grab a newborn baby from a mother and throw it into the dogs or smash it against the wall. In our country, two states have passed that you can have a baby born, put it in a comfort room, and decide in seven days, or Troy, what's the longest? Seven days is in Virginia and 14, uh, 21 days in New York State. 21 days after the baby was born, you can, if you decide you don't want that baby to live. So it's a, do you see how it gradually we accept these things. You know, when I was a kid and we watched television, you watched Leave with the Beaver. If they ever showed mom and dad's bedroom, it was a single bed and a single bed with a nightstand in it. Now it just keeps getting worse. And by the way, one of the things that Hitler did was movies and music. He would get entertainers to speak up for their propaganda. He would get movies that made for their propaganda where we just began to accept things and now a parent protests a child being indoctrinated with pornography in the school and the parents are being arrested? As you watch this, there's a saying that says those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat history. Okay, next picture. It's... Uh, Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and babies getting off of the train. That's going into, I think that's a picture going into, uh, into uh, Treblinka. These are Jews that were coming in from Hungary. You've met Shmulek that's been here many times with Karen Hezot. His grandmother was a part of those and didn't survive the camps. Another picture. More camps. Um, like I said, we're being very delicate not to show um, anything really shocking. This is, this is Auschwitz. And uh, like our guide said, he said, I'm going to prepare you when you go in. It's, well, that doesn't look so bad. The grass is green. The trees are green and everything. And like I said, he, he told us, a time of when the Jews were in there, there's nothing green because they were starving so much they ate the grass. They'd eat the leaves. Uh, anything wood, they would try to keep for burning. 
But when you went in, keep it right there, when you went into these different buildings, some of the buildings were used to house prisoners. And a building that should, I, I, I don't have the numbers right, but let's say a building that should house 100 prisoners or 100 people, they would put 4,000 in. So you're, you're stacked, they're stacked on top of each other like cordwood. But we went in some of the buildings and uh, let me see if I can pick, pick it out. I think it was actually building, I think it was building 14. But some of the buildings, they showed you what these buildings were used for. And as Scott said, uh, several times, Scotty and, and several people just left. They couldn't because, and I won't tell you what they did. One building was for women where they uh, experimented on women and babies and did unbelievable things another building was called this is a wall this there's the woman's building right there that's this building here keep it here this building is called the built the building of death and the thing keep it right there the thing they explained to us was this these weren't just crazy people doing things random the whole government were led by these brilliant minds that thought this whole thing through. How do we intimidate people? How do we control people? How do we uh, spread our propaganda? And they had this system down. And they just these are these are people who thought this out. These weren't just oh this just happened. This building here was called the building of death. L let's say the camp had. 800,000 prisoners in it, and they maybe had 5,000 guards. What's to keep the 500,000 or 800,000, whatever it is, prisoners saying, let's rush them. They're, we're dying anyway, let's rush them. This building, and I won't get into it, each room was a torture chamber of a certain kind where they would torture people for days and days and days until they were dead. And then they and they let everybody know. So they control them through fear. Okay, next next one. And I, I'm not going to tell you any of the details. This is the wall where they brought um, people out and and shot them and murdered them. Uh, I won't go into detail. This is us standing in front of there saying we will stand with Israel. And like Scotty said, it was so important. I, I, I was shocked at how the Jewish community and this Jewish community, one of the, I told you, owner of, uh, owner of the Vikings, Robert Kraft, only the Patriots was with us. Um, uh, political leaders, um, um, uh, Ambassador Friedman, uh, Rabbi Lau, spiritual leaders, they're not usually around Christians. And a lot of the speeches and the testimonies of Holocaust survivors was about what Christians, people who call themselves Christians, did to them. And so for us not to be hating the Jewish people, but making a stand for the Jewish people, it was so, it was overwhelmingly how much of that was appreciated. All right, another one. Uh, obviously a famous sign, barbed wire fences, uh, walkways, uh, those barbed wire fences were, um, uh, uh, you don't have to go back, but those, if you notice those barbed wire fences and at Birkenau were highly electric. And it, you were forbidden as a prisoner to commit suicide. Every once in a while, quite often, uh, I'm ashamed to say, is a prisoner would run and jump on it and uh, electrocute himself to death to commit suicide, whether he was a Jew or a political prisoner. If you did that, you were taking away from the government's work source. They would go arrest your family and kill every one of them. Next picture. Oh, here. This is the, uh, I can't read it, but w this is, um, if you see this here in the back there, the, um, this is the 
one of the gas chambers off to the left, I don't know if we'll show a picture, but don't move it, and a crematorium. Right over here, probably 200 yards, is the camp commander's home where he raised his children. Uh, they have the guest book that friends would come and visit him and say, we had such a lovely time. The whole time, 200 yards, 100 yards away, they're marching Jews in and political prisoners in to gas them and then put them in the crematorium. And yet people are right over here. Their kids are playing out there. Their guests are saying, what a wonderful time we had. Oh, it was such a wonderful lunch on the lawn. Looking at this. But after the war, they captured this, this um, camp commander and hung him right there. The, yeah, somebody clap your hands on that. I, I don't know, do we clap or? What goes around comes around. Kind of Haman's news, huh? All right, next picture. We're about to go into one of the gas chambers that still exists, but what's interesting about this is probably 80 yards behind you is the home of the camp commandant, Rudolf Huss, and they found a guest book in his house where people would come and visit him and they would sign we had a great vacation we can't wait to come back next year what a lovely place this is he raised his children here 80 90 yards from his home with his children to where they were torturing jews right here and taking them into the gas chamber but what goes around comes around because after the war they captured him they tried him and between his home, where he lived in comfort with his family and friends, to where million-plus Jewish people were murdered, he met his maker. And I guarantee you, his maker brought judgment on him. This is how amazing that hate is, that you can live like a normal person and hate people to the point of death. That's why the Word of God says, they'll know that we belong to Him up there, that we have love one for another. We must stand in love with each other. We must stand in love for all people. We must stand in love for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. So this is uh, entry going into one of the gas chambers. What they would do, and I will probably show this in Birkenau, is you can imagine they would, they would put uh, 100 to 200 people in a cattle car, a, a wooden cattle car, and they would travel to the death camps anywhere from three to eight days. They put them in so tight that people would die because there's no food, no water, no way to go to the toilet except while you're standing there. And they would die, but people couldn't fall down because they were jammed in there so much. And so when they got off the cattle car, uh, they said, we'll go in here and we're going to give you a shower and we're going to give you food. And they marched the, 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 the people in. In one of these videos, and I'm not sure where it is, Scotty told me we're going to play it, you're going to hear a guy playing a harmonica. This man who's playing the harmonica, he he was in a Jewish orphanage and learned to play the harmonica, fell in love with the harmonica. The Nazis came and took the, uh, keep it right there, took the uh, harmonica, uh, took all the orphans and took them to Auschwitz. He got a harmonica, he, he, his harmonica was taken from by the guard and, uh, and uh, while he was there, they would, everybody got one hunk of bread per day. That's all you ate on, one, one hunk of bread. And uh, he heard somebody playing the harmonica and it made him think of great times. He traded this man his hunk of bread for a harmonica. He started playing it. The guards heard him playing the harmonica. You'll hear it in one of these videos. And they said, well, you're going to play in the orchestra. And so they took Jews who could play music and had them playing as, because a lot of them got off the cars and right into the gas chambers. And so between the railroad and the gas chambers, they had the musicians playing 
orchestra and he was playing in that to try to keep people calm and as he was playing it he watched them march his cousins into the gas chamber and kill them and he said if i survive this i'm going to go and they have a he has an orphanage and he said i'm going to teach him and there's a very famous they play at yad vashem that they play so anyway here we are in uh here we are in beginning the march um uh obviously uh let's see if i can pick out robert stearns only as the patriots craft i mean craft um uh, rabbi lao uh, this guy here is Biden's administer, uh, uh, ambassador to Israel. <laughs> ambassador Friedman, who was the previous ambassador to Israel. Um, several other people. Uh, w- this was the front row, all the politicians and everything. And Tiz and Katie and I and Scott are in the, the next row somewhere. So, next picture. Here we are beginning the march from Auschwitz to Birkenau. I think it's like 3.4 kilometers. We're all supposed to be in a row, obviously. We're not. That's Rabbi Lau. He's the There's me with that lady, some famous philanthropist. There's the harmonica playing. That's, that's the gentleman. He played at this march just in 1993, I believe, as a Holocaust and survivor. And the next one of the greatest honors is I got to walk with Rabbi There's Lau. There's Katie and I and Scotty Shmulek. It's just an amazing thing. We're ten, here because ten thousand people, and the and vast majority were ago. young people from and communities all over the world. Man of God is an amazing thing. I'll get out of the way here. And now we're honoring those whose lives were taken, and we're saying by marching the March of the Living that we will stand with Israel and the Jewish people forever until the coming of Moshiach. just walked from Auschwitz to Birkenau, 10,000 people that are marching from, I think, 52, 54 nations of the world that are saying, never again. We will stand with the Jewish people and we will stand with the nation of Israel until the coming of the Messiah. And you know, people ask us all the time, we've been asked several times, Pastor Larry, what do you think? Does Israel exist because of the Holocaust? And I think the real question to be is not does Israel exist because of the Holocaust, but had Israel existed then, there would have never been a Holocaust. And so that's why it's so important that you and I stand together around the world for the nation of Israel, for its right to exist, and for the love of the Jewish people wherever they are. We will never, ever allow this to happen again. Israel is the promised land, and God has brought the Jews back to it. This is the ceremony uh, at Birkenau at the end of the march. These are the train tracks. Um, The train actually, uh, as the Jews were... Um, being murdered, uh, 
and, and I know I said it at the beginning, but I want you to think it's six million. That, that'd be like murdering all of the Dallas area. And it's, you can't get your head around it, six million. But I want you to think about murdering someone's daughter, murdering your mother, murdering your brother, murdering your sister, murdering your grandmother, murdering your friend, murdering them. And as the, as the war was closing, they, Nazi Germany realized they were losing. The original platform was a half a mile away from the gates of Birkenau. So the Nazis quickly added track so they could get Jews in there faster to murder them before the Allied troops came in and set them free. And so in the last several days that, um, th there's the tracks there, uh, the last several days that uh, the war was still going on before it was actually Russia that came in and, and, and freed this area, uh, they just accelerated. It's over. It's done. We've lost. It's done. But let's kill as many as we can before they get here. Who thinks like that? Who thinks like that? This is a, one of the cars, uh, a neat story real quick on this. Um, um, Stephen Lowy, who is uh, the civilian head around the world of Karen Hezot out of Australia, his grandfather, grandfather or father, I can't remember which, um, was in one of these cars here at Birkenau. They knocked him off the cart and he dropped his prayer shawl and his tefillin and, uh, and he said, I just let me get it. And they said, no. And he ran back because he said, I, I know this would be my link to God. And he ran back and they killed him for grabbing his, his prayer shawl. And so uh, a friend of ours uh, found this car, authenticated it, not necessarily the same car, but exactly like. And picture 200 people jammed in this and Scott, I can't remember. I think it's 60, Katie, was it 60 cars or 600 cars a day came in every day multiplied by 200. So that's one of the, that's, that, that's right there in Birkenau. Okay, next picture. Th this is what's shocking. Here's, here's what you kind of see in the movies, the barracks where they were just piled in, piled in, piled in. They, they kept adding up in the height of the, of the barracks because they were bringing so many Jews in. And uh, there's only a few of these barracks left um, that they've kept. But you can see all the, ch all the uh, foundation of all these barracks. And when you walk in, uh, you're on the railroad tracks and there's barbed wire, the electric wire, and there's hundreds of these on the right and hundreds on the left, men on the right, women on the left, and just, un it's just hard to get your head around that they're brought here to be murdered. That's the only reason they're brought here. There's uh, some more pictures keep going. Let's go through these a little bit faster. Okay, stop right there. When, when the Germans realized that the war was over and they'd killed as many as they could, they were leaving that day, they bombed the, uh, the gas chambers and they bombed the uh, crematorium trying to deny. And that's one of the most amazing things is people today even say no Holocaust existed. It, it never existed. What are you showing, Katie? The steps going down into the, the Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they march them out here, and then they would, you can see the steps down here. They'd march them down here. They actually had hangers for their clothes and everything, and, and uh, just, yeah, I won't tell you things they did. Okay, there's a, there's a model of that. When, I don't know where, where um, uh, Wanderson is, but when Wanderson with us, remember we went to the memorial in Miami and we couldn't figure out what it was and it was this memorial of all these people piled up on top of each other, a Holocaust memorial. What they did was when they gassed them, you can look at how they crowded them in, they gassed them, and when people realized they're not there for a shower, they're dying, they would climb up each other and trying to get the fresh air or lifting their babies up, and it froze them together, and they would come in, and, and uh, so 
you know, here's the sh here's where they changed their clothes. Here they went in and because they wanted them to change their clothes because they wanted their clothes. And and then they died in here and then they brought them up and went into the crematorium. Here's a picture of of some of the crematoriums that they burned all the bodies in. OK, next. I don't know if you can catch the stairs down. Here. Oh, here. They would march I'm saying it again. <laughs> and then men or children and tell them they're coming to take a shower. And along the walls, there were hooks and, and pegs for them to hang their clothes on. You know, Im imagine they've been s stuck like animals in a boxcar for four, five, six, eight days. Uh, no toilets, no water. So they're telling them they're coming in to get a shower. And so they're taking their clothes off. They're hanging it up. They're just willfully walking in thinking they're going to get a shower. At the end, they're going to get food. But after they were undressed... Then they marched him up this way, and you can't see it real well anymore because at the end of the war, the Nazis blew all this up trying to hide the evidence. But they walked up here, and this is actually the gas chamber down this way. And the bodies were piled up, obviously. And we saw in Miami a, 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 a monument, a, a Jewish monument, and we couldn't figure it out. And it was like all these people climbing up and on top of each other. And maybe we can show you a, a shot of that. But as we're here, Michael explained what that was, is that as they dropped the gas pellets in, they were climbing up, reaching, trying to get fresh air or get out. And so when they after they were dead, they were locked together like in a pyramid. And then they would come in and bring their bodies out and take them into the crematorium and burn them trying to, one, there were so many. Think, think about of a million bodies. There were so many. You can't bury them all. So they're burning them, but also to get away from the evidence. And you look at this and you think, this is unbelievable cruelty. But what we've learned through Michael and through talking to people around here is that when the Nazis knew the war was over, it was lost, they can't win, they lined them up and just killed as many as they could. The war was over, they've lost, but they killed as many as they could. And that's why it's so important, and, and, I, and I can't thank you enough for standing up and speaking up against anti-Semitism, against hatred of Israel. And remember this, the new anti-Semitism is anti-Israel. The BDS movement is anti-Semitism. You look at all this happening, say, how can it happen? Well, they let people talk them into crystal knock. Don't support the Jewish business. That's exactly what they're doing again, but it's not gonna happen. Because together, as we have a voice, Christians and Jews, we are saying to the world, you will not do this again. This will not happen again. And as we stand with the nation of Israel and Jews around the world, remember what God said, the first promise with blessing, I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel. So I want to say, God bless you. And as you stand with Israel, I promise you your best is yet to come. Amen. So maybe just a couple. Uh, here, uh, this is the beginning of the ceremony. Go to the next one. Uh, stop right here. I, I don't know why, but I was given the seat of honor. Um, this is Rabbi Lau, who is so amazingly respected. What a, a, an amazing man. And I was sitting right next to him and then a bunch of politicians and, and uh, uh, Kraft and uh, Mark Wiff and those. And I'll just say this real quick because I don't want to show too many more. When Rabbi got up to speak, um, he got up to tell people about and he said, don't forget that the Jews escaped Egypt and the Jews escaped the, 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 the Gentiles who saved Jewish lives are called uh, the righteous Gentile. And we didn't show this. We were at, how many have ever seen the Schindler's List? We were at that factory and they showed all these Jews. Schindler, I think, saved 1,100, I think it was, Jews. And, uh, and we were standing there, I thought, you know, just last year, just out of, uh, out of Ukraine and Russia, you helped save 75,000 Jews. Now, th think about that. 
And, uh, and so Rabbi got up there, and he, and he was the only one, because a lot of people gave testimony about what the Christians did. The Christians did that. But there was also those righteous Gentiles that risked their lives to save Jewish lives. And Rabbi got up and said, we must not forget that the partnership with those Gentiles that love Israel is, was crucial then, and it's crucial now. Maybe one or two more, and then I'm going to close it. So that's, we never got everybody in. Uh, they just kept marching. Another one real quick. Um, is that the end of them? Okay, that's good enough. Let me share something with you. How many of you today, let me, let me read this to you, and I'm, I'm just going to take about five minutes. This is out of one of the uh, brochures they gave us, and it says, the final solution, that's what Nazi Germany called eliminating, Hitler had a globe in his, in his office. And they say it was one of the most magnificent globes there you've ever seen. It's just made of all these different stones and stuff from around the world, whichever country represents stone. And, and he had all these markers on that globe. And what it said was how many Jews there were in that country and in that country and in that country. And I can't remember what country it was, but there was, Libya. huh? Libya. Libya. And it said one. In the nation of Libya, there was one Jew. And Hitler's final solution was, whatever we have to do to go into Libya and get that one Jew, it's worth it. And so this was what's called the final solution. But listen to, and, and understand, the Christian has been the Jew's enemy for 2,000 years, and now we're their friend. But listen to this. The final solution was a turning point in history. From the 4th and 6th century, the missionaries of Christianity said to the Jews, you may not live amongst us as Jews. In the Middle Ages, they said, you may not, to the Jew, you may not live amongst us. And finally, with the Nazis, they said, you may not live. So look how we've gone full circle. Pastor Troy, who is a, a brilliant in politics, gave me this. L let me ask you something. How many, if, if we had a, somebody and they said, we want to be president and we want to be a Nazi, how many would vote for him? Would you vote for him? How about if they said, we want to be a president, but we want to be a socialist? It's the same thing. This was read in our, uh, in, in, uh, we're, we're in our Congress in January 10th, 1963. It's part of our Congress, and it's called the 45 Communistic Goals for America. Okay? I'm just going to read a couple. Number 17, get control of the schools. Number 19, use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations which are under the attack of what we're doing. The way Hitler started this, John, just want you thinking. The way Hitler started this was with, before he was in full power, when he was taking power, he would have certain cities in certain states that believed the way he believed. We got to get rid of anyone who's not an Aryan race, Jews, blacks, whatever. And so he would send in to these cities that were like the mayor of these cities that were pro-Nazi propaganda, and he would release what they called then the brown shirts. The reason they called them the brown shirts is because they wore brown shirts. <laughs> and they would take over the downtown areas of the cities, smash the business windows, riot, turn over, and totally be in control of those downtown cities. Wow. Sound familiar? Wow. Sound familiar? Yeah. Number 20, 
infiltrate, this is communistic in our Congress, infiltrate the press, get control of the books, the editorial writings, and the policy making. Number 21, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. Now, this is the Communistic Manifesto. Number 25, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and television. Number 29, discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate or old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance. I just saw one of the politicians say that the Constitution is not a solid Constitution. It's a revolving Constitution. That's a communistic policy. Number 30, discredit the American founding fathers present them as selfish aristocrats. What they would do is they'd go into places and pull down statues. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. 31, belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teachings of American history on the grounds that it was only a minor part of the big picture. I talked to people in college and they said, instead of teaching the history of our country, the history of the Civil War, the history of Dr. Martin Luther King, they teach the history now. These are the people who are teaching your children. They teach the history of lipstick or they teach the history of cigarettes or they teach the history of McDonald's. That's not an accident. That's because they don't want you to be proud of your nation. Somebody, uh, let, me, let, me close, look, let me close with this. I, I was getting ready for church, and I heard Dave, Dr. David Jeremiah teaching. We have, always have something play on going. And he was talking about the very thing of we got to understand that when we're talking about socialism, it sounds like a great thing. Let's take from the rich. That's communism. That's socialism. Let's take from the rich and spread it out amongst everybody. Look at me. Show me one time in the history of the world that they've done that. What they've done under communism or socialism or with Nazism is what they've done is they've taken from the rich and gave it to themselves and made the poor even poorer. One of the great examples is the socialistic country of Venezuela. At one time, Venezuela was an amazing, amazing democracy. But when they came in with socialism, now the average person in Venezuela makes one American dollar a day. Dr. Jeremiah said what it cost for a roll of toilet paper, and it was two million something, whatever it was. And I couldn't help but think in the last days, a loaf of bread will cost a bag of gold if you're still here. But let me give you some statistics just in closing that he read about socialism. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Through socialism in Latin America, this is from 1917 to 1969, I think it is. In Latin America, 150,000 were killed under socialism. In Eastern Europe, 1 million killed under socialism. Vietnam, 1 million killed. Africa, 1,700,000 killed in socialism. Cambodia, 2 million. North Korea, 2 million. USSR, 20 million. China, 65 million. And that's only up to 1972, killed under socialism. So the thing we got to ask ourselves is, do we want to be a socialistic government? And remember, Auschwitz was built to put those in camps who would not flow with their ideology. I'm sorry, 1979. You take World War I of all the nations in the world, and you take World War II of all the nations in the world,
of everybody around the world that was killed, multiply that by two, and that's less people than have been killed since 1917 to 1979 under socialism. So when we hear, whether it's the media or the movies, or, and Hitler would have movie stars stand with him and have athletes stand with him, we need to understand this is what it's all about. The cancel culture during the time of socialism and Nazism says there is no room for any opinion but ours. Socialism says, you don't raise your kids, we raise your kids. A dad went to a school because he found out that his daughter, one the only one, was raped in a high school bathroom by men, transgender boys. And when he went and brought this to the principal, they called the police, didn't arrest the rapers, arrested the dad. Is that what we want in our country? We need to understand that we see these things so that we can wake up. Socialism, Nazism, communism says defund police, fake news. So what's the answer? I could go on and on. What's the answer? Number one, we need to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will come and heal their land. Amen. Amen. Number two, we need to pay attention in religious circles who we listen to. There are people who admire Christ, but there are leaders who follow Christ. And that's a big difference. We need to understand that the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, in the last days, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Number three, it's really important that you get involved with a small group. You get involved with these small groups, these life groups that we have under Pastor Wanderson. I, I, I believe before it comes that we can't meet here. I don't know, but I believe before it comes we can't meet here. I believe we're going home. But just in case, we need to be aware that we can meet together in somebody's living room, in somebody's basement, in somebody's hallway, and we meet together and we talk with each other and we pray with each other and we encourage each other and we strengthen each other. Small groups are, are vital. Acts chapter 529 says we are to obey God and not man. When our government starts telling us, or anybody, our religious leaders start telling us, we don't have to obey God, we need to obey them. We need to understand that God says we are not man pleasers, we are, we are God pleasers. We could go on and on and, and look at how this kind of thing makes people poor. But what God wants us to do is wake up, not be afraid. Not be afraid, I'm not afraid. Because when the rapture comes, I'm not going home with a moan. I'm going out with a shout. I'm going out the head and not the tail. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to close this in prayer. And I I want to say this again. Tiz, what was that, uh, the books you just bought? Francis Schaeffer, I don't know if any of you remember them, but Francis Schaeffer back when, during the Jesus People movement, he, he wrote these books showing what was happening in our society and attacking our young people, going after our young people, brainwashing our young people. I was one of those young people. And in the books there was, what's the answer? Well, it's the same thing with the Jesus revolution that we had, the Jesus revolution movie we just saw. When it looked like it was the worst, out of nowhere, God brought a revolution and the young people who were rebels, listen, we're still rebels. I'm not, right? We're still rebels, but we're rebels for the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that when Jesus was killed, he was killed by the government. For 327 years, there was not one thing written in Christianity about the Jews killing Jesus. Yeah, there was a couple, Caiaphas, and, who, were, who were pastors going along with the government. 
But for 325 years, not one thing in church doctrine said the Jews killed Jesus. They blamed it on the Roman government. And history repeats itself. But I'm here to tell you, our Savior has not only died for our sin, but he got up. And greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us. Amen? And the thing that we got to do is we've got to be those righteous Gentiles that stand up and be bold for the kingdom of God. We got to be those people that say, you know what? I'm praying for you, Mr. President. I'm praying for our government. I'm praying for whoever's governor. I'm praying for you. But we need to let you know that if you try to take our God-given rights away from us, we're not voting for you, we're not supporting you, we're not backing you, and we need to let everybody know because I declare to you there are more of us than there are of them. We just got to speak up. Somebody ought to shout amen. And we say to the world, never again. But we say to America, not here, not in our country, not on our watch. Amen? Now, I'm not going to do an altar call for people because I've already gone 10 minutes over for people to get saved. But if you haven't given your life to Jesus, can I suggest get on the winning side? But the other thing is, is that I can't tell you what to watch on the news. That's up to you. But most of what's on the news is exactly what Hitler called it, fake news. You watch whatever news station you want. <laughs> Um, but just because a leader says it doesn't make it true it doesn't make it true I watched the representative from the White House there they go they go what's the answer for the economy she goes the economy's doing fine and they're all going they can it's it's like you know uh, you know I'm a I'm a big cowboy movie fan the old cowboy John Wayne and and uh, uh, Cooper and Randolph Scott and you know you can oh you're a card sheet well you're a cattle thief uh, you're a heart thief uh, you're a liar what we're in the day and age that you, they just stand up and lie and it doesn't matter because we'll move on to something tomorrow and we'll lie about that but the Word of God is the truth it is the never-ending truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's our marching orders. Amen? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, I will come and heal their land. Would you join hands with your neighbor? And those of you who are watching, and I know they're watching around the world, our good friends in Australia, some of our best partners all across Europe and Central and South America and Brazil and Canada. We're going to pray as we pray that God will heal your land too. Because I declare, no matter how bad it looks, greater is he. And I think God is just using this as a wake-up call to say to Israel never again, and to say to all of us in our country, we're coming back to God. We're coming back to the Word of God. Say this with me, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned, we've all sinned, but I know this, you sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my family. Get out of my city. Get out of my state. Get out of our country. We claim the name of Jesus. We claim the power of his blood. We bind the devil. We bind false teaching. We bind anti-God in every area from our government to our churches, to our schools, every institution. And we claim God visit us again and we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name.